We've been asked to mark song 380 and delighted to do that, and we'll use that later in the service, of course, this morning. But haven't we already sung some very prompting songs, some very motivating songs, songs about a higher ground, songs even about that most recent one, how we look forward to that great resurrection morning. We're honored that all of us have been able to come together today, and I hope for the next few moments we can at least give some attention to a lesson I've entitled, Children, Obey Your Parents. Now, first of all, let me begin by saying this is not only for those that are young, at least in terms of age, but I believe as we study this, we'll be reminded all of us have some things we can learn and things that can be meaningful to us in relation to a subject with that title. This introductory slide will begin our study in the following way. Isn't it amazing how that in the Word of God, although the book, the Bible, isn't that large, it has within it every detail, every instruction, every piece of wisdom and advice that's necessary for any walk of life. That means not only on the job site, not only in community interaction, not only within the church, but also within the family. And that means that fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, and children, all are such that the Word of God has within it those necessary pieces of wisdom and information. And today, we'll of course give our attention to one that's entitled, Children, Obey Your Parents. You may notice about the middle of that slide that one of the things that all of us, no doubt would strongly wish and desire is for a healthy family. We know how special it is. We know how honorable it is. We know how peaceful it can be. Because maybe either we have known of those that aren't in that situation or we know of those who are. And may I say, as you contemplate a healthy family, one of the things that will redound under that degree of healthfulness will be these instructions today. I hope then that for the next few moments... We could give our attention to what, it, what is involved in this statement, children, obey your parents. Let's begin with a bit of concentration on the lesson text. As always, we would never want to move a text out of the context in which it's found. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. The first few verses in that chapter are the very ones that were read just a moment ago. And as they were read in our hearing, no doubt they're familiar no doubt we've often reflected upon them and many a lesson has been brought in one way or another relating to it. Sure enough, at the top of that slide, may I point out that there is a rather extended consideration from Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 all the way to chapter 6 verse 4. That entire set of verses touches the family and God's inspired instructions in relation to it. Certainly, in that list are included things like husbands. You know, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's unavoidable and inescapable. But by the same token, wives are told to submit to their husbands and reverence them. Verses 21 and 33. But in addition to all of that, you notice that children are not left without either. In chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, they are addressed and reminded that they too have a role to play and an obligation to understand. Surely, in light of that, you may notice that there's a sister passage to this one, a bit shorter admittedly. 
in Colossians 3, verses 18 and following, but there also fathers and mothers, husbands and wives and children, they're all addressed. Today, of course, our focus will be on that sixth chapter of Ephesians. And the next statement is this one. Although it was read a moment ago, let's listen to it again. Lester pointed it out so dramatically in those opening verses. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, for this is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. The approach that I've chosen to take toward that is this. Let's basically divide the opening appreciation into short segments and merely give an expository discussion of each segment, drawing lessons as we go, reaching conclusions as they appear to us, and let the Word of God direct us on this point. Thus, at the bottom of that slide, we come to this note. May I say that when it comes to children obeying parents, I freely confess that I myself was in a consideration I didn't always see that as a youth as seriously as I should. Maybe you have wrestled with that. And the youngsters in the audience, maybe this has been a matter for you that you haven't really thought that much about. I do hope as we proceed through it that it will be something that will more often rest upon us for the seriousness with which the Word of God presents it. First observation then may be this one. There are many things, admittedly in the Bible, that can be rather abstract and lofty. This is not one of them. This is direct and simple and even a child can understand this. No wonder as we close that slide then, may we never forget the daily application that comes with the Word of God. I've chosen a number of verses, and we'll rather quickly note them in passing, but the emphasis of all of them is this. God's Word has daily instruction. Psalm 61.8 reminds us, David exclaiming that I may daily perform my vows. Obeying parents would fall under the category of a daily consideration for those, of course, in those households. Luke 9, 23, didn't Jesus say, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Again, a daily consideration. Perhaps finally, in Matthew 6, 11, didn't Jesus remind us there that give us this day our daily bread? I list all of those verses reminding us of the day-to-day -day consideration of the Word of God. First thing then to be noted, let's go to our first section of the verse. The first word in verse 1, the first word in chapter 6 is children. So after discussing fathers and mothers as well as husbands and wives in the previous chapter, that is to say the division that is to be found in that, now the inspired writer through the direction of the Holy Spirit addresses children. Children, he says. These thoughts, it would seem, may be fair then to point out. This is not to say that it is a requirement on the part of God that every husband and wife have children. That may not be biologically possible. In other words, there are some women who are unable to bear children. Such a consideration as this ought not to be looked upon as any insult toward them. Sarah was barren, again, for many years of her life, Genesis 11 tells us, 
Wasn't it true later? Hannah was barren for a good amount of her life as well in 1 Samuel 1. And isn't it true that Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, she was barren. She and Zechariah had no children until that late stage in life wherein God blessed them with John the Baptist. This should not be then seen as any insult at all to a woman who biologically is unable to bear children. Jesus even said this in Matthew chapter 19 verse 12. It may not be simply a biological matter. A man and woman as husband and wife may choose not to have any children. And that would again not be in any way wrong. Jesus said so in Matthew 19 12. Maybe all that's to lead us to conclude this. With regard to children, if a husband and wife are blessed with them, they should be perceived as a blessing. That's the way the Bible describes them. How innocent, how pure, how sweet these children. In Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5, there the inspired writer pointed out, Children are an heritage of the Lord. One of the first things then to be appreciated is these children are remarkable blessings from God. They are honorable in so many ways because they are those for which it is said, Blessed is the man that has his quiver full of them. But to say all of that is to say that those parents have some obligations and those children do as well. The next point will begin to bring this to our appreciation. May I ask you to consider one aspect of this verse that may have been easily that which passes by us. Remember, as this congregation of the church at Ephesus was meeting and this letter was read to them, we can understand well those instructions given to fathers and to mothers and to husbands and to wives. But may I ask this? This verse is addressed to children. Would a four-year-old have understood this? Would a six-year-old have understood this? Would a toddler have understood this? I think the answer is evident. This instruction that is read, Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right, was as much directed to parents as it was to children. And thus it becomes necessary, it becomes in fact vitally important that a parent, under the understanding of this, lead their children and guide that household in such a way that those children will understand obedience and will be led to comply with it. That's the reason I underlined the word for. Parents are the ones for which much, at least when children are sufficiently young, this verse would have had such a great impression. Those husbands and wives as fathers and mothers, they impress upon those youngsters while they're so young what it means to obey and what it means if you fail in it. In other words, there's punishments. There are consequences. So may I suggest that parents, and certainly us as grandparents as well, we have an obligation to up and steal within our youngsters those whom we may influence how important it is to be obedient to parents. Let's develop that this way. This instruction, children obey your parents, is vitally important. If it isn't followed, if the lessons related to it are not appreciated, look at some of these things. May I ask you to notice, it will have consequences. 
not only in the life of that child that grows up to be an adult, but also in the well-being of that family. And quite often those consequences are very dire. Quite often they're rather negative, and quite often they're hurtful. And therefore, for a family to be what they can be, and for that child to grow to what he or she can be, this is vital from an extremely early age. As you and I close that slide, having given some thought to children, what about the next part of the verse? The next three words, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. We have no question what the word obey means. We understand it well. As often as that word occurs in the Word of God, I've only called your attention a couple of occurrences in Mark 1, 27. It was on that occasion that Jesus had already begun His healing ministry, and the text says the unclean spirits obeyed Him. May I ask what the unclean spirits do? They did exactly what the Lord told them, the way that He told them, for the reason He told them. That's what it meant to obey. Three chapters later in Mark chapter 4, when there Jesus was on the boat and He was asleep, and you ever remember they woke Him up, or perishing they said. And the Lord calmed the waters and the wind, and it says they obeyed Him. What did it mean? We again understand well, it meant those elements, the wind as well as the water, it fully complied with what the Master asserted. And that's what it meant to obey. Therefore, it means no different with regard to you and me concerning God's commands. It also has no different meaning with respect to a child obeying parents. Let's develop that this way. And this is the point I mentioned earlier. I suspect in many instances a child probably does not understand the gravity of this situation. When those parents say, clean your room, pick up your toys, help fold the laundry, take out the trash, make your bed, pick up the sticks, help me wash the car, you get the idea. It's so easy for a child to to clearly make it known that's not what I want to do at this time. And sometimes they just don't do it. Sometimes they make excuse. Sometimes they, quite frankly, let it be known rather clearly that they're not going to do it. May I say one more time how that, that of course, is a matter involved in this verse. We understand a young child, a toddler, they probably haven't developed such a resistance yet. But from an early age, they need to be told and they need to be instilled in such a way they know what this means and they know it's expected and they know what will happen if it is not done. And when that child reaches teenage years or older and that child understands well, if that child chooses to disobey, if that child chooses to be blatantly rebellious, there needs to be stiffer punishment. There needs to be stiffer consequences because this verse is being violated. Even later in life, if it comes to a child who clearly knows right from wrong and they choose to disobey, they're guilty of sin. It's just that simple. So for a teenager age 15 or 16, when dad or mom to them says load the dishwasher and they don't do it, they have sinned. 
Do you see the point? It has become a rather serious matter by that time, surely. And all the while, obeying parents is looked upon by God very seriously. Let's develop it even further this way. There are examples in the Bible of those who chose not to do this very much. Revisit with me 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6. In the heart of the Old Testament, we have King David nonetheless under discussion here. The wording is very direct. I'll only invite you to notice one verse, but verse number 6 reads, And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? Pausing at that point. Adonijah at that point was one of the sons of David. David, that verse says, had never displeased him. David had never given him instructions and punished him in light of him not doing them. The text says, never at any time had David asked him, Why have you done this? Did your father ever ask you? Son, I told you to weed eat around the, the, the trees. You didn't do it. Why not? It was a rather fearful thing to have to try to give an answer because you knew that Dad wasn't going to accept any excuse. And you likely were going to be punished in a way that was painful. We should be thankful for fathers who loved us enough to help remind us of how important it was to obey your parents. Mothers also can join in that discussion as well because quite often mothers also have been involved in meeting out punishment that was proper and due. Here the text says, although David many things about him might be complimentary, the text says he'd never displeased Adonijah. May I say that reflects poorly on David's parental skills. In addition to that one, look at Proverbs 13, 24. In fact... In light of the need for children to obey their parents, it can certainly be the case that that might involve punishment, be it spanking or other kinds of things in that category. And the Bible, of course, endorses this and in fact even asserts the commandment relative to it. If you spare the rod, the text says, you will invariably spoil the child. Maybe taking that in order... We appreciate then that as the New Testament would lead us to give thought to a very powerful and practical parental skill, the need to instill in children the importance of obeying parents. As you and I close that slide, may I say it involves many things. One thing very clearly is this. Parents, we need to give our children duties and chores and responsibilities fitting to their capability. And we need to appropriately acknowledge when they do it correctly, but we need to let it be known that there's punishment when they don't. They will learn from an early age with that kind of approach how that obedience is important and how that it will work to their good when they do obey. But let's look at next in the verse, because not only does it say this, it also says something else. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. What about this phrase, in the Lord? It would seem that there are a number of things about that that might be noted, not the least of which are these. 
this highlights very clearly that it is not merely the will of the father or mother for this to be done. It's God's will. It is, in fact, the enshrined will of heaven that there be obedience to parents on the part of children. That means, of course, that when parents give their children chores or tasks or obligations, again, fitting to their capability, that it would be a befitting thing then to realize it would be God who is behind that level of instruction and in His will that those children learn what it means to obey. For that reason, consider the following. It is an entirely wholesome thing to notice the nature of authority in connection to these statements. You see, it is in the obedience to parents that children first learn about the nature of authority and what it means to be submissive to it, but also what happens when you're not. Those children, as they grow and proceed through life, they will encounter many realities of authority. They'll encounter teachers. Consider a teacher who has to deal with a child who does not respect authority, who in fact is rather openly rebellious to it. Talk to a teacher sometime who not only has to deal with a student, but a student who agitates so many other students in the class and turns it into chaos. All because one student doesn't know about authority. And in many cases now, teachers' hands are tied in such a way they are not able to punish them the way that would be best. But sadly enough, it may well have sprung from one child who was never displeased, to borrow the language concerning Adonijah, by his parents. But not only teachers, coaches... You know, we often find great enjoyment out of our children participating in athletic activities, and yet there's some coach and an assistant coach and maybe a trainer, and all of them in one way or another have authority. What happens when that child says, I don't think I want to lift weights today. I think I'd rather skip practice. Well, quite likely, the next game and the one after that, it's not going to go well. The team will suffer. And there's a general attitude and a general environment of disobedience to the authority figures of the coaches. And when that kind of matter prevails, we all understand how dysfunctional that team can become. It may well have begun from a child who was never displeased by his parents. In addition to those things be it coaches and parents, be it authority figures like teachers. You and I know that, of course, that will ultimately involve many other things. As that child grows, ultimately, that child will marry, at least quite likely. That child will need to be an adult who understands there is authority to be understood in the home. That wife's got to submit to her husband if she's going, if she's going to do what God wants. And that father has got to submit to God if he's going to lead that family the way it is ought to go. And so any father who says, I don't think I'm going to do this. I don't think we need to go to church services today. How about we fish? How about we play at the playground? I'd like to golf. Any kind of father who sets that example before his wife and children is a father who doesn't understand authority. 
and he has been led himself to live in a way openly rebellious to what would be in the best interest of himself and those whom he has been charged by God to lead. Tragic. Notice again, children, obey your parents. In the Lord is the phrase. No one more thing. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. In other words, every one of us must be submissive to God. And so any person who doesn't do that, it may well have been a problem even from the time of early age. Never learning about authority, never learning about obedience, and never learning about submission. As you and I close that slide and prepare for the next one, may I ask you to notice there certainly would be a principle that should be noted. By the time a youngster reaches those years of knowing perhaps wrong from right and knowing the things of God, if the parents were to command something that would be against the things of God, you'd have to side with God. For we ought to obey God rather than men. Acts 5.29 But certainly most of our discussion doesn't surround that idea. Point number four. The next phrase in our reading is this one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. You and I are perilously close to a time in which it's often the case that we see society encouraging in the free rights and the free consideration of all, parents don't have the right to tell their children anything. Well, that's certainly nonsense, from the Word of God at least. And you and I know the right thing to do is for children to obey their parents. It's right because God said so. There wasn't some panel of scholars that decided it. There wasn't some international consideration of individuals that determined it. God said so. And God's always right. And so, when you and I give thought to this is right, look at that middle point. I've already mentioned a few of these in passing, but maybe it's time to develop it even more so. That child that never learns about the significance of obedience, never learns about the penalty that can come from disobedience, that never appreciates the gravity of those kinds of situations, that leads me to say this, parents... We really need to follow through on what we promise. If you say to that child, if you don't do this, I'm going to spank you. And then if they don't do it and you let them off the hook, you let them talk you out of it, you have planted a seed in their mind that you really don't mean what you say. And that obedience is really not that important and that they can offer enough resistance or perhaps offer a good enough excuse and you'll let them out of it. We need to be careful and make sure if we say it that we follow through with it. And not only that, we need the punishments to be consistent with the degree of their attitude and rebellion. Some children perhaps can well learn a lesson in a very less dramatic way, whereas others, in the rebelliousness of their heart, may require a stiffer punishment. Not only that, consider this. That child who does not appropriately learn authority may well be a problem throughout life. I've already mentioned about teachers. I've had enough experience, at least, recognizing some things that can happen. 
a student who receives a somewhat poor grade on occasion and then makes a scene about it, calling into question the integrity, the veracity, and the activities of the authority figure of the teacher. That's uncalled for. That is absolutely inappropriate. Talk to a police officer and let them tell you about a child who openly has no recognition of the authority of the police. No doubt that began in the home with a child who never learned about submission and who never learned about authority. Speak about others in our society who deal with a spouse who does not recognize authority. Maybe one final example would be an employer slash employee. You and I know well that in the confines of a business, how problematic it can be when there's one individual who stirs up everybody else. The man in the next cubicle, the person just down the hallway, always stirring them up, making them think that there's collusion and other things, and causing problems so that nothing runs smoothly. Do you realize how easily that could have begun from a child who was never displeased by his parents, just like Adonijah wasn't? I would submit to you then that there are many things in life that can begin from that early age, and may we say one final one. That child who grows up and finally arrives at the day of judgment and has to give an answer for the deeds done in the body and who at least in principle could say, but I didn't think you meant it, having never learned about the nature of authority. You see, we as parents and grandparents and others can offer a tremendous impact, not only for this life, but even regarding eternity, when we fail to help them understand how serious it is to obey your parents. One last thing on that slide. May I suggest then that that youngster who never learns at least the integrity of and the nature of this obedience to parents can often be a source of misery in life, making other people around him or her miserable, his co-workers, his spouse. Surely none of us would want to raise a child who makes everybody else miserable, his teachers, his coaches, the others that he interacts with. And yet, that could very well be what happens. We need to love those children enough that we do displease them when they need it. We urge them to understand what it means to obey your parents and instill within them that God says it's right. I mentioned the example of Adonijah earlier. Let's use that to close this slide. You know, we've already learned that David didn't displease him. He apparently didn't rebuke him. He didn't punish him. He didn't do anything. It says he never, in fact, even questioned him concerning his behavior. And every child needs to be questioned. When they go out for various things, parents, it's your prerogative. In fact, it's your right. Son, where were you last night? No, you and I may go to bed before they get home. Ask them where they were and want details. Who were you with? What were you doing? And if they lie to you and you find it out, make sure there's appropriate punishment. Make sure they understand that truth is to be highly regarded and don't ever, ever tell me a lie. Well, no wonder in that light, 
think back to Adonijah. You know, the time came when David, of course, was on the throne. He was the king of Israel. He had never displeased Adonijah. When David got old, what did Adonijah do? He tried to usurp the kingship. He wanted to be king. He'd never been told no. He'd never been told he couldn't have it. And he already knew by that time that Solomon was to be the next king. And Adonijah wanted it anyway. Doesn't it sound like he'd never been displeased? Now, you and I remember, of course, that David had to take quick action before he died to make sure that Solomon was the anointed king because God had made that, that choice. And after Solomon became king, Adonijah asked Solomon for something that was an absolute threat to the throne. Again, he'd never been displeased, and he was killed. Adonijah met his end, perhaps in part, because he'd never been displeased by David. He'd never been taught to obey his parents. As you and I close that slide, God's way's always right, and it's right in this as well. Psalm 119, verse 128. We're reminded there that I esteem all thy precepts to be right, and I hate every false way. No wonder in light of all those things. Let's close our lesson with one final point. The next verse, verse number 2 of Ephesians 6, put it like this. Honor thy father and mother. Our discussion began with obey your parents, but now notice this discussion of honoring your parents, honoring father and mother. That had been true from the Old Testament. In fact, it was a part of the Ten Commandments. Commandment number 5 was honor your father and mother. In other words, right alongside those other commandments like don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, was honor your dad and mom. How important it is that again, youngsters and even those as they grow appreciate that the word honor literally means to ascribe worth to. You appreciate the worth of these individuals. Children, of course, if left to themselves, they'll not have an understanding of how precious and valuable dad and mom are. But parents need to ensure that they learn that lesson. About the middle of that slide, you'll notice a number of Old Testament recollections of this point. Leviticus 19, as well as Deuteronomy 5, all the while, it was to be appreciated amongst the nation of Israel how vital it was to honor dad and mom, to honor your parents. That leads me to one final thought on that slide. Have you ever remembered how severe the punishment was when youngsters in Israel chose not to take that seriously? You may notice in Deuteronomy 27 as well as Deuteronomy 21, any child that would curse his parents was to be cut off from Israel. And in that Deuteronomy 21 passage, it happened like this. If there's a son or a daughter, and the parents gave them instruction, telling them to do certain things, and they didn't do it, and that child was recognized as rebellious, do you remember the punishment? I think we all do. That child was to be brought and stoned to death in front of the people of Israel. God didn't put up with disobedience. He didn't put up with a child who didn't respect authority. He didn't put up with that because that was going to be a harmful issue not only to that person but all that would be influenced by them in life. 
it's certainly fair to say as you and I close that slide, we live beneath a different law today, no doubt about that. We'd never kill our children just for that reason. But how significant is the principle? One conclusion slide remains. In bold-faced time, may all of us as parents, grandparents, and others make certain that we side on the character of children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Because this is a vital and almost inestimable truth. And if it's followed, the family will go well. But if it isn't, it just isn't going to work out well for that youth who grows into an adult. And it's going to be a very great set of problems all the way around. As we close our lesson this morning, I hope that as we've come full circle, it is true that not only are those verses meaningful for youngsters and children, but it certainly is something meaningful for all of us. May we have godly families. May we strive to have a godly family so that we want all of us to go to heaven. Today, are you a faithful Christian? You'll never be the father or mother you could be if you aren't. You need to obey the Lord in everything. Lift God's Word to the highest pinnacle in your life. Follow it in every way and help your children appreciate it as well. Maybe if you've never become a Christian today, you'd like to become one. We want you to know that it is Jesus Christ our Lord who died for you and wants you more than anybody else to become one. But we do as well and we want to help you. You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins, confess His name, and submit to baptism. Not because we said so, but because Jesus said so, Mark 16, 16. And if we could help you today in that regard, what a sweet and blessed day for you for all eternity it would be. If you have become a Christian, though, but to this point unfaithful, you've allowed things to happen in your life, and you know they aren't good, and you know your children are watching you, and you know that they are being led to also move in ways that are not pleasing in every way to God. You realize you still have the opportunity to influence them correctly, but you need to change. The Bible calls that repentance. If we could help you today by praying on your behalf to God as you acknowledge those sins, confessing them and repenting of them, God will forgive you. If we could help you in that way today too, what a lovely activity it would be. This song of encouragement has been chosen. If anyone would wish to come, won't you do it now while we stand and sing?